0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast. This voice you're hearing is Mitch, your host, the you hear every single week on the show. Uh, Boozy is not with us today. I gave him the option. I said, hey, look, look we're going to be doing a Haunted Mansion double feature. And he said, nope, I'm out. Um, understandably so. This isn't for everyone. I wish he could be here because I'd really like to him to get to know our guest. Our guest today is Zachary Tennant of the Formatted to Fit Your Screen podcast. How are you doing, Zach? Oh, I'm doing great, Mitch. Happy to be here.
1: Happy to be on the show. Uh, yeah, doing a little uh, Formatted to Fit outreach and also, um, yeah, hoping to, to raise, raise awareness about the uh, 2003 Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy, um, something that I think... Uh, that could be I think that's the kind of thing that would be covered on my show. Yeah, typically. So it's a bit of a bridging of the gaps uh, for me to be here and uh, thrilled to do it.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect episode to, uh, you know, kind of show what what life is like over on the formatted to fit feed. And also it's just a great tear table collab. Um, but this is something that would have been right up our previous host of the show, Kyle Zervinsky. Like he would have loved doing something like this. And I know uh, you guys are friends. Yes,
1: uh, this is definitely, I can imagine that Kyle probably would have saw this in theaters as well. I'll be curious as we get into it to know what your history was with uh, the original Haunted Mansion. Well, I, I say original as in yeah. the one that was new when I was a young child. But as I Googled into this, you know, of course, there's a, there's a history with this uh, intellectual property, as we'll call it. And uh, including a Muppet uh, television special from just a couple
0: years ago that I had no idea about. I was going to watch that, uh, but I was a little Haunted Mansion out after I got out of the theater for the new one. Um, but I, yeah, I saw that on Disney Plus and it's really interesting. Yeah, like this was Well, we got so much to talk about with Haunted Mansion. But before we move on and we just start getting to know you and talking about what we've seen and doing our normal terror table rambling. um what made you like? You reached out. You're like Haunted Mansion 2003 on the terror table. It's like what? And I immediately jumped at it. What made you want to? What what got you to want to talk about this movie?
1: Well, that's that's a great question, and there's there's uh, probably a lot of reasons behind it. Uh, I think as has has come up on my show, uh, we did an Army of Darkness episode on that show with uh, you know friend of both shows Scott Hamilton. Great episode. And Thank you. And on that, we them. talked about how um, the horror comedy is something that to me is just so, I don't want to say repulsive in a in a sense of like, oh, like shock, you know, shocking, gruesome, but like repellent, like something that I'm really like pushed away from. I've only seen Shaun of the Dead once. There's something to me of the convergence of the two that has just always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I've really tried to get at the heart of what that is, because, you know, a lot of people, they say, you know, oh, I listen to everything except rap and country. And it's kind of like, well, that's like a political statement on like both of those. Like when people have biases of what they don't like or they, you know, I like everything except this. You have to investigate that a little bit. So I've tried to figure out what it is about the horror comedy that I struggle with and I think what it is, is that for me, my relationship to horror is that it really is about dread. It's not as much for me about the ambience of a spooky, gothic, you know, foggy autumn evening. I like that stuff. I enjoy that as well. But when I'm going to horror, I really want something that's getting at my basest, most primal fears and when that's being undercut with a lot of skeletons falling out of closets or goofy sort of Danny Elfman score music like these things, it makes it harder for me to get sucked into the terror of something. So I was just curious to revisit this movie that I had seen uh, in theaters in 2003 and not seen since, not
0: thought too much about since. But uh yeah, and now here we are. So Yeah. That's just that's really interesting cuz I love how yeah, you basically just described everything that the haunted mansion is, is stuff that you're not really into.
1: <laughs> well, but it's but and as I try to do on my show, you know, I have a an enthusiasm and an appreciation for cinema that outweighs any of my personal biases that I want to see I actually um I know we're going to talk about things that we've seen coming up, but I saw Barbie earlier today, something that I was pretty convinced I wasn't going to enjoy and was pretty sure wasn't for me. And I went into it with an open mind and I liked it and I thought it was, you know, I enjoyed some aspects of it quite a bit. So I, I go into things wanting to enjoy it and I try on my show to see the good in things that maybe aren't necessarily amazing or complete crap, but shine a light on, Oh, Hey, maybe the lighting is good in this movie. Maybe that's something, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. know, And that is something you do a really great job of on your show, which I urge people to check out. I know I've been on twice now. Uh, the first time we chatted about jaws and then the le- most recent time we talked about um, light sleeper, light sleeper in the works of Paul Schrader. Uh, both of those were really fun conversations. So I definitely encourage listeners to go and check it out if you haven't yet. Yeah,
1: two very different chats, but uh, yeah, two favorite uh, episodes of the show certainly for me. Uh, And yeah, because I think that movies and you know, Mitch, that's it's a great example for the two of us that uh, my enthusiasm and my desire to uh, gush about film appreciation and to really talk about it with people who know has fostered some great relationships through doing my show you know through you and I and now I'm here on this show yeah uh, I think that film snobbery you know the film bro archetype any of those things you know it's not all just being like hey man have you seen Fight Club my show (laughs) is a lot of that and this show is some of that sometimes as well but but it's uh it's it's all just enthusiasm. We're all just big fans of movies, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. All right, awesome. Well let's uh yeah, let's get into it. So let's talk a little bit about other stuff you've seen recently. So you saw Barbie, and I should say, just I'll put this at the top of the show. Um we I have already recorded the next episode that's gonna be coming out after this one. Boozy and I recorded it last night. We talked about the recent documentary on Shudder called Sharksploitation all about the shark exploitation craze and what came of it and what that genre consists of. Uh, It was a really great episode, but on that episode I talked about Barbie and Oppenheimer, Um, but I would feel free to open up the gates and talk about anything you'd like here. So uh, you saw Barbie. What else have you been up to?
1: Well, I, knowing that I was going to be coming on here, I wanted to get into some horror stuff because as I was saying, I have a, you know, I love all kinds of movies and horror is certainly a section in the video store, you know, when you're looking for something to watch. Uh, I checked out The Fog by John Carpenter, something that I hadn't seen before. Uh,
0: quite enjoyed- so exciting. I saw that on your Instagram and it yeah. was like, it was on your, one of your uh, favorite discoveries of the year so far. Our favorite first time watches. And that's one of my first time watch of July.
1: Yeah, it's it's reminded me. I can see why you would like it. It reminded me a lot of Jaws with kind of the small town political corruption bent to it. Uh, It has, you know, as I was watching it, I was just thinking about. The John Carpenter sort of trademark house style and like you can watch something like stranger things now and you see all of the steven spielberg like amblin influences on it as well but you look at the john carpenter work and his influence and the shadow that these movies that he makes casts is so strong for movies that made comparatively so much less money in their day it's remarkable the power that these movies continue to have and then for me to watch it um you know, 43 years later having never seen it and it's effective and it works and it uh, fits in with his style I also watched um, Dark Star in the month of July as well and I really enjoyed that one.
0: Oh, that's awesome yeah you should uh, if you're liking those I highly recommend checking out my friend Daniel Epler's podcast it's called Cobwebs and he's going through all of the works of John Carpenter and uh, where Boozy and I are actually going to be on an episode coming up but uh, he just did Dark Star and then Assault on Precinct 13. And there's so many interesting movies in that man's filmographies, without a doubt, one of my all time favorite directors. I think I was just hearing
1: about that on your podcast. just on the episode I was listening to. Um, yeah, It's
0: great. It, it, his show is awesome, but really good conversations. What have you been watching? What's something that's been uh, on your mind lately? I watched Dirty Work again.
1: OK, right on,
0: uh, which I don't normally talk about comedies on the podcast, but fuck it, I'm going to do it now because I know you're a huge fan of comedy. Yeah, of course.
1: Here we go. Yeah. dirty. You
0: uh, did an episode of uh, Dirty Work on my podcast with Vish Khanna. I grew up with Dirty Work, man. And it is like huge fan of Norm Macdonald, debatably my favorite comedian of all time. And, uh, you know, Artie Lang in, in the 90s and how the movie like learning later in life that it was directed by Bob Saget, like famously Danny Tanner from Full House. It's just, it's one of those things where watching it again, like it gets funnier every time I've seen it and I've seen it so many times that I think I can like recite it. It's one of those movies for me, but I was watching it so frequently as a kid and it's one of the most politically incorrect movies I've ever seen. I think Uh, I, I didn't
1: come to that one until I'm sure I was in my twenties when I saw it for the first time. I always saw it at the family video growing up, never took it down because of, Probably, I guess, is an R-rated movie. I wasn't able to rent it. But yeah, that movie is so funny. And it's, it's funny in the way that something I struggle with being a comedy film fan as an adult is that like a lot of comedy movies, there's a ceiling on like how funny a comedy can be or like how good a movie comedy can be. It's like they're only so funny and like the funniest ones don't really have plots like it's a balancing act and you can only do so many things. Dirty Work is a movie that has some of the most humor within just like a stretch of a movie starting and ending. Got like none of a plot, you know. Yeah, it's wall no, to wall. <laughs> no character development or anything, but like
0: a hilarious, uh form-breaking, unique yeah it's it's so poorly directed like it's insane how like but that's like it just goes to show that that isn't what that movie's about or like you don't need to have that incredible vision to be able to pull off a comedy like this it's just norm mcdonald and Artie lang together is enough and oh, what's the i'm drawing a blank on his name but who the guy who plays their dad uh, oh it's a jack warden in that movie yeah, yeah he's so like the whole movie is just it's so crass. And, Chevy Chase and Don Rickle. Oh my God. So Chevy funny. Chase. I forgot. Don Rickle's from uh, Dennis
1: the Menace 2. Yeah. Dennis um, the Menace 2 and uh, Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3, I guess. Yep. <laughs>
0: um, no, like, but it what it made me think about is like, you know, we're obviously, I'm not going to feed into that whole like woke culture destroyed comedy. Um, but this is just such a prime example of a movie that just would not get a pass these days. But there's something about it, like it is so cruel and it's mean and it's crass, but since it's being led by Norm MacDonald, he finds a way to just, I don't know, like kind of bring these situations down to earth and make him not feel so mean. Like it's, I don't know if I'm explaining this properly, but
1: no, it is true because he's just, disar- he's got such a warmth when he smiles and it's, yeah. it's that he, he's not a good actor. That's no. you, you you don't mistake the two. It's not that he's a good actor that he's got really good, like screen presence, but he's got his comedic persona, which is that he's endearing and lovable, even when he says these off color, terrible things. And, but that's again, the thing, like, being hilariously funny like as i would agree like norm mcdonald maybe like the funniest man who ever lived it's like but that's a movie is not the medium to show that off like it's it's hard to express just how funny someone is
0: this is the type of movie that i think like that that famous scene in clockwork orange where he's being tortured with being forced to watch something like this is something you could force someone to watch this movie and I think it would give them a mental breakdown by how cruel and obscene it is. It's uh it could I could see it just being torture for some people. Uh but the last thing I'll say about it is uh and it has nothing to do with it, but Freddy Got Fingered is on Disney Plus right now. So if everyone if you've never seen it, you have a chance now to to see it's so hilarious opening up the Disney Plus app and seeing Freddy Got Fingered. That is crazy. Have I, you seen I, it? I haven't seen it on
1: Disney plus, but I've seen Freddie got fingered. That was another one that, and I've maybe told this story on my podcast, but I rode my bike to the Clarence and Taylor VHQ in Saskatoon, the fabled, uh, talisman of my podcast. Yeah, And I rented Freddie got fingered, you know, I was probably 12 years old maybe at the time, something like that and rode my bike home. And I just remember my mom, like, sort of confiscating it like taking it to inspect it and looking at what it was and there was just, it was just the longest pregnant pause before she just <laughs> sighed and handed it back to me and then I just went and watched it in the living room oh my <laughs> that god my parents sometimes they would put the foot down sometimes they would say no but that's a movies to do it for sometimes they just yes they didn't know I don't know <laughs>
0: That's so funny. Yeah, I yeah, kinda, I wasn't allowed to watch old school, but I could watch Freddie Godfinger. That's that's hilarious. That's that's so incredibly wrong. I hate to admit how much that movie has formed me as a person, but I saw it I, at such a young age. And Tom Green is honestly like maybe one of the biggest influences for me and just a, like a creative sense and like, you know, just starting to really pay attention to to art and ex- and creative expression. I think he's very, very underrated for the amount of stuff that that guy has pi- pioneered. I think that's not uncommon for people of our
1: age actually, is that, yeah, yeah. like a real appreciation for Tom green who still, uh, still kind of kicking ass. He's just like living yeah. on a ranch now. It seems like I saw something. Yeah. He's, him like, and his dog Charlie. Yeah. yeah looks beautiful.
0: No, he's what? Oh my God. Like another quick thing. I, I wasn't even planning on talking about dirty work on here. I don't know what made me do that, but, uh, not to go off on another big tangent, but if you are wanting to laugh your ass off, I just highly recommend going to YouTube and searching up t- the Tom Green show, Subway Sandwich. Do you know which clip I'm talking about here? No, which one's this? It's He goes to order. He, it's just him. He's like got his camera hidden and he's ordering a sub and he goes for about four minutes just getting them to keep out of toppings. Okay. <laughs> and it just it's one of those things that it just goes I can on imagine. So it. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, those dirty work and an impromptu Freddie got fingered shout out. So, what else do you got, Zach?
1: Uh, another, you know, one to cross off the list from a big director. I mentioned Steven Spielberg earlier. I watched War of the Worlds, which I had never seen, Ooh. and I loved it. It's I so I, good. It's really good, and I think uh, I maybe all these years thought that it was minor Spielberg, and maybe it even is. But like boy howdy like it's better than jurassic park 2 like you know like yeah it's maybe spielberg on an off day but it's like god i'll really i'll take this tom cruise i felt was kind of miscast but it's like funny miscasting it's like you don't buy him as like a long or whatever he's supposed to be this like blue collar guy who's like what, what's, what's hummus what is this like yeah i don't buy that but like his crazy star energy is all over the place. Dakota Fanning giving an amazing performance. And what I found watching that movie specifically when they're in the basement with uh, the Tim Robbins character and like the tripod, you know, coming all through uh, very similar to uh, the kitchen scene and the end of Jurassic park is that Spielberg, he really gets like terror and 100%. And this is the terror table. Like, I think of horror maybe as like you know the sound of a crypt opening and like the thriller video and kind of haunted house but like it, but like terror that like gets like to your heart and to your guts like to really like shake you and chill your blood spielberg does it like as like better than anyone kind of like i sort of think yep. he does it as good as anyone And so that's what really blew me away was how uh, terrifying War of the Worlds was for just being like a summer alien blockbuster and how mean of a movie it was. Yeah, I loved it.
0: Yeah, that one caught me so off guard. I went to that one in the theater at the Center Mall Cineplex there when it first came out. And uh, I remember not having super high hopes for it. Like for whatever reason around that age, I wasn't a big Tom Cruise fan. And like now I, I love the guy. Um, well he, he had his bad movies. press though that summer specifically
1: like when that movie was coming out that's I think when he jumped on the couch that was the and couch, everything yeah. yep. that was and that's why he had bad press and then I thought that he was terrible but it was the same thing with Ben Affleck like these people who oh, had yeah. such tabloid publicity that when you're like 13 you're like oh that, that guy sucks like all his movies terrible but then you actually go back and watch and Ben Affleck and Tom Cruise are two of my favorites. and Totally
0: agree. They had nothing yeah. but bad press Colin Farrell. Yeah. I just remember being shocked by how scary War of the Worlds was and War of the Worlds was. And now it's, I do consider it one of, I think it's like one of his most underrated movies by far. And I would say easily, you know, his, his darkest and scariest aside from, you know, like Schindler's List and stuff like that. But if we're talking on a pure, like you said, terror level, um, more of the worlds is it's gnarly. And like, it's so shockingly violent too. Like I remember, I think I would have been, would have been like 12 years old when that movie came out and seeing those tripods, like penetrate people and then spray their blood around. I'm like, what the fuck? Like you would not, I, at the time I was like, I would think about Steven Spielberg and it was like ET and Jurassic park. And even jaws wasn't like overly bloody or anything. Um, but yeah, it, it really caught me off guard. I, I love that movie.
1: He really, like after 9-11, like kind of like through whatever, like the minority report AI era, all the way basically up to Indiana Jones four, he was really cooking there with like dark and sort of like harder edge stories that you know, kind of outside of what we associate with Spielberg, like he certainly got a lot more maudlin in the 2010s and kind of went back to his the schmaltier
0: prestige stuff, which I also like that. But uh, oddly enough, the next thing I was going to talk about has something to do with Steven Spielberg as well. So is that all? Are those all your thoughts on War of the Worlds? Oh, yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Awesome. OK, uh, I did a rewatch. Uh, well, I guess one of them. I think it's a first time watch for me, but I watched the first three Poltergeist movies recently. So I rewatched Poltergeist. I've seen that one, you know, a million times. I've seen the second one a couple times, and I think this time I realized that I might not have ever seen Polterge- Poltergeist three in full. Um, but the correlation, obviously, being that this was uh, the original was written by Steven Spielberg. There's all this really annoying discourse about who really directed Poltergeist. Was it Toby Hooper or Steven Spielberg? And I just think that that whole conversation's gotten a little tired over the years. Bottom line, I think like you know this is a Spielberg script. You've you've seen Poltergeist, I assume. I've seen Poltergeist once, uh, you know,
1: some years ago, I haven't seen the sequels, but after seeing the Fablemans, I am really curious to go back and revisit it, because it, it should be one that I should have on my shelf, and I should have like a few viewings under my belt
0: yeah i think especially yeah especially the original it it seems like something well at the same time though you said that you're not really big on the horror comedy thing and i know a lot of people would wouldn't necessarily call poltergeist a comedy but there is like a lightness to it that's that's sprinkled throughout the movie like um it very much does feel like a spielberg movie and then you have these intense scare sequences and i think that toby hooper expertly you know executed some of those scare sequences Uh, But then you have like the Amblin score and the um, like just Steven Spielberg's heart that you can really feel in the script. And, you know, one of the big differences between Poltergeist and other movies of this era or, you know, any of the Haunted House movies is you really care for the family. The family is such like a really nice dynamic where um, they just feel real. And uh, yeah, it just it really works. Uh, I love I love the movie. But it is like it's so wacky. There are so many moments in the movie where I'm like, I can't believe. Like, of course, this. The only reason this movie exists is because of Spielberg. Like, he really, um, you know, as the kids would say in the early aughts, Spielberg hooked his boy Toby Hooper up fat. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he gave him a, an opportunity that not many people would have ever had to make a movie like this.
1: Uh, he was yeah, such I, a
0: he was such a kingmaker
1: of like yeah. giving like Joe Dante, Robert Zemeckis, like there was an entire industry of Spielberg brats who like had opportunities off his coattails, and yeah, some of them were able to ride it to tremendous success, and then some of them. It seemed they they couldn't handle the pressure or that just it
0: didn't work that way for them. I think that that's one of the reasons why, like, um, like, I don't know how much you know about the the filmography and the works of Toby Hooper. But I definitely consider the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre to be one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And that movie could that, be to me. Sorry to jump in. That to me would be like an example of
1: like a, a Mount Rushmore horror movie for yes. me like that As far as like what I respond to, what gets to me, that would be like a lodestar of like, these are the things that I respond to. And I don't know too much about Tobe Hooper's or Toby Hooper's uh, career, but I do. I've had uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 on my to watch list for a long time, and I'm just waiting to get it from the public library. I wanted to see it before I came on this show, actually, but... Oh, I would uh,
0: be so curious to hear your thoughts about that one. I, I'm I really curious it. about it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. But that's another one that it's it's like just loaded up with comedy, um, which I think really didn't resonate. And it's so it's just like it just feels like a completely different franchise and so quick. And, you know, it being directed by the same person is just nuts. Um, but I like I've that movie's grown in my esteem every year. <laughs> I have so much fun with Texas Chainsaw, too poltergeist is it's a blast it's one of the best uh haunted house ghost movies it's essential viewing in my opinion um they the movie just works so well because of the performances in it um the the father being played by craig t nelson and the the mother being joe beth williams they just have this this chemistry that you don't see in other and in nearly as many horror movies as you should uh but like i just love they feel so real stuff that I missed out on when I was younger and seeing it like the, the movie begins with them like smoking pot in their bedroom. And uh, I just think that's so like thinking back on the time that this came out, which was obviously before I was born. It's, it's just so interesting to, to see how, how they got that in the movie. And of course it, it happened because Spielberg just controlled the world at this, at this time.
1: Uh, that is interesting that like we have a sanitized version of our, parents or our parents generation and then yeah you go back and watch something like that you know obviously there was parents sitting in the audience in 1982 going back to smoke in their bedrooms at night like it's a weird you don't associate Spielberg you know Amblin entertainment with uh, any kind of counterculture but they were aware of it you know as funny and uh, as at odds as they might seem
0: yeah no absolutely and uh i'm not going to spend too much time on two or three but uh i i like this whole franchise a lot like uh two is i I was i was kind of surprised because i've heard mostly bad things about three um but that's easily the schlockiest one of the bunch two it follows essentially the exact same story um that that's one thing these three movies have essentially the exact same story and uh the third one is the only one that's missing Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams, but all three of them have Heather O'Rourke. And, um, you know, she played Carol Ann, the famous little girl in poltergeist. And, uh, she had passed away just after they finished filming the third one. And it's the, one of the most haunting things about that is like, you find out, I still don't think I know fully how she died, but I know there was complications with medications that she was on. And when you watch the third one, her face is like, She's really like it's really puffy and it just seems like, you know, she's having an allergic reaction or something. And it's just so sad to watch it because it's like there's something so clearly wrong with her. How how is she not getting help for this? These people are making a movie around her. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really heartbreaking. But the movie itself, like the third one has so many wild practical effects, like the all three of them have great practical effects. But the third one is. It's like you could just tell they didn't have as much money and the, the team was maybe a lot more sloppy, but it's it's a kind of schlocky horror that I I welcome from time to time. I I like kicking back and you know hitting the vape pen and watching these goofy movies every once in a while. Um, but I definitely that, recommend what, a watch of all three. That's
1: what Tubi is for, is for those late nights with the vape pen. <laughs> Tubi is the best. That gives me a question though that I just have to pose quickly. You say that the Poltergeist sequels are, uh, you know, ripoffs, so or that they have the same story as the first one. Can you off the top of your head name many horror franchises where the sequels are distinctly different, not only from the first, but from one another and couldn't also be sort of like hit with that same knock that is just yeah. repeating
0: the original over and over? No, for sure, and I, I think what one that comes directly to mind for me is Nightmare on Elm Street, which is why I think it's my favorite franchise. Um, even the ones that are a little like the 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 weaker installments, they of course they have that same core element of Freddy Krueger and them dealing with nightmares. But each movie feels drastically different. Like you can't. There's never been a time where I'm like, oh, which which nightmare was that part in? It's like I can distinctly say the Cockroach Hotel was in. Nightmare Four, you know, and um, I feel like that franchise did it a little bit better. Like it, they all feel a little fresher and different. Um, even you know the the weaker installments, but other than that, like yeah, Friday the Thirteenth, it's the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, Texas Halloween. Chainsaw Massacre Two is a perfect example. That's com- it. Couldn't be more different. Uh, yeah, Halloween's essentially carbon copies aside from the third one.
1: That's the and- thing. You either
0: you either replicate
1: it. Or you do a commentary on it like you do, uh, you know, a hyper meta textual commentary, you know, like a scream 2020 yeah, or whatever, like new nightmare, a new nightmare. Yeah. And I did just watch I rewatched the uh, Never Sleep Again, like four and a half hour Elm Street documentary, you know, my over favorite. the course of the last week. It made for good late night viewing. And yeah, that I agree with what you're saying on the Freddy movies, though, that they are they do repeat the you know the premise but the you know freddy the character he's so heightened that from movie to movie the characterization changes like he becomes funnier or more villainous like it goes in both directions and that there's the scarier movies and then the more gag oriented and always based around the set pieces
0: yeah absolutely and that's yeah last night i actually like i just was having one of those nights i didn't know what i wanted to watch i wasn't feeling anything so i just threw dream warriors on for the millionth time and i couldn't stop thinking about it all day it's like it's just one of my favorite movies i and now i'm like even after we wrap up here i'm probably gonna go through a couple more of the nightmare movies i've seen those ones so many times that i can just i don't necessarily need to do the gauntlet like front to back i'll do that every couple years but there's certain franchises i like just dipping my toe in grabbing a sequel and you know, moving on after that. But uh I, I'm happy you mentioned Never Sleep Again. I, I love that documentary.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at my uh Dream Warriors poster on my wall just as we speak right now from the Broadway Theater in 2010. Oh, the I've, Tyler uh,
0: Baptist screening.
1: Yeah, oh of course. And I've I've held uh you know good care of that poster ever since. So I'm gonna have that for a long time. That's awesome. I did not know you had that. That's fucking that's wicked. Yeah, that, I've got so a that few was... good ones from over. I got Doberman Gang also from uh, probably around 2010. I've got a few good ones. Jaws from 2012. Oh, that's awesome. Really, wait, Jaws from 2012? Jaws, yeah, in 2012 at the Broadway Theater. And it was on film and it was really red, as I seem to recall.
0: Oh, wild. Yeah, I definitely, I wasn't at that screening, but those are, it's crazy how many times we must have crossed paths and not even known it back in the day. I think about that a lot, actually, yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, so that's the Poltergeist one through three, and I, I, I might talk about it on another episode, but I, I got about halfway through the remake, and that is just one of the most vanilla, bland, worthless, sense, completely senseless movies I think I can ever imagine. Like I often forget that it exists, and it's yeah. Such what's a shame. the vintage
1: on that one?
0: Is that the last few years or longer? Yeah, that. Okay, let's like 2015.
1: It's like such a non-entity that I feel like I saw the trailer for it yesterday. Like you, it's yeah. had such
0: so little of a cultural footprint that I'm like that's got to be new, right? Yeah. It's it's wild when any movie can make Sam Rockwell seem like a bad actor. Like you know you got you're in major trouble if you got someone like put, like Sam Rockwell in your movie and if he's just, sleepy and yeah, that's not yeah. good. It just it's a it's a really bad movie. Like it's, oh God, it's just, especially after watching the original again, like there's just so much heart in it. And then this remake, it just feels so hollow. And there, there are plenty of examples of remakes of classics that I absolutely love. But Poltergeist is like, I think it's one one of the worst offenders up there with the Nightmare remake, because it's honestly worse than the night. No, nothing's worse than the Nightmare remake. I hate that movie so much. Uh, but this one is just, it's just so
1: boring and forgettable. Nightmare remake. I don't know if I ever saw it in full. I think I did watch like a a uh, pirated version of it when I was in high school, but I don't think I saw the entire thing all the way through like I did with the uh, Friday the Thirteenth remake, which I owned on DVD and saw a few times.
0: Oh yeah, I actually I don't hate that remake. Uh, I think it has like a great first half hour. <laughs> The like first uh, half
1: hour is really fun. Yeah, it, it gets it falls apart. The scene where she, uh, the naked lady is swimming under the dock and then, yeah, the knife the machete through the head, the head, and then pulls her up and her chest is exposed. That's that's Platinum Dunes, baby. That's cinema.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I, yeah, like I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Plat, Platinum Dunes movie as well. It's like, um, But yeah, do a double feature of that and uh, Texas Chainsaw (laughs) 2. I wonder how that would go
1: down. We'll see. Maybe I'll do that on the uh, on the Texas Chainsaw Day because that's in August, right? Yep. When I watched the first movie last year, I watched it because I saw that it was the date that I owned it and had it on the shelf, but had never watched it. And I thought, oh, today's the day. And then so maybe maybe I'll do that again, little
0: double feature. That's a great idea. I'd love to hear how those ones play together because they they couldn't be more different, which I think is, you know, kind of the way to go with a double feature. Which order should I do them in? Oh, absolutely do two first. Okay, sure thing. But the thing, uh, actually, I don't know because the the remake is so, it's so mean and it's so dark uh, and the, the Texas Chainsaw 2 is just like, it's an assault of depravity. Uh, I don't know, I think you just rolled the dice on that one, but uh, but yeah, that was the Poltergeist trilogy and the remake. Well, what else you got, Zach?
1: Uh, I also watched recently the Peter Bogdanovich uh, multi hour documentary Running Down a Dream about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, <laughs> that's deviating pretty far from the horror theme, but uh, I did enjoy that quite a bit, uh, you know. Um, lots of I'm a sucker for those big long like the Bob Dylan documentary and the George Harrison documentary that Scorsese did anything like that of these revered 20th century figures and you know the the people are interesting the music is good and it's inspiring but always not uh reverential like at different points in this documentary Tom Petty kind of comes off like an asshole and he maybe even had final cut on it and like let himself look like an asshole. That sounds but there's like different, a Tom Petty thing. Well, there's different parts where he's like, um, he's talking about guys who have been in and out of the band and he's like, um, you know, and Bill's not going to tell the story like this because he's a coward and then it cuts to Bill. And he's like, no, yeah, I was really out of hand on that tour. Like he was right to fire me. like. <laughs> Clearly there's like unsettled bad blood between these guys that is documented in this movie, but you know, who knows if they ever squash the beef later, but uh, found that really interesting. Lots of good footage, lots of um, insight into the recording industry. And I didn't know that much about Tom Petty. I thought that maybe I did by hearing his music on the radio my entire life and, you know, being kind of a casual fan, but, He uh, had quite an impact on the music industry and like uh, like a big role to play in sort of like similar fights about artist royalties that, you know, have people striking on the streets of Los Angeles as we speak now. You know, these things are all kind of connected when it comes to corporate greed. So I thought that documentary uh, on Tubi as well was uh, fantastic.
0: Awesome. I was going to ask you because I've never seen this one. Uh, But I'm definitely I I love documentaries like that. I've been doing a lot of
1: rock docs on Tubi lately. Those go down really easy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think is. I don't know. Well, it's definitely a rock doc, but there's the Foo Fighters back and forth documentary. That's I don't know if you've seen that, but I think I saw that was on Tubi as well. I own the Blu-ray, but I used to be a big Foo Fighters fan. Like they haven't released anything I've enjoyed in a long time. But I remember that documentary being very good. I watched the Dave Grohl
1: Sound City documentary, which I did enjoy in the first mm-hmm. half. I thought the second half kind of just turned into like a jam session and I kind of yeah. didn't like it as much. No, I don't know what the other face to face is. You said no back
0: uh, back and forth. Oh, back what and forth. Yeah. What, what's that? You, you should actually watch it. It's um, it was them recording Wasting Light, which is I still consider their last great album. Sure. Um, okay. I, yeah, I really like that album. And I think that documentary made me like it even more. Uh, But it, they go through like the whole history of the band and all of the members. If you like if you're in the mood for a rock doc, man, though that doc is so good. Obviously, it'll probably be a little hard to watch now with, you know, everything that happened with Taylor and um still pretty fresh. Uh, But it's it's a really solid documentary.
1: Oh, I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, Foo Fighters. uh, I almost went and saw them. They played the Verdun Auditorium kind of here in town, which they just announced the show like a week out. And it was the first concert at that venue in over 20 years or something sold out instantaneously. So didn't get to go. But yeah,
0: I kind of yeah, they're bucket list band for me, even though like it was it was after that. And then they like when Sound City came out and like Sonic Highways. It was during Sound City where I was like, I know everyone, there are so many people who would make fun of me for like the Foo Fighters, because they're like, they're just such a boring white guy rock band. And I'm like, I never really fully got that. And then Sonic Highways came on. I'm like, oh, OK, this I see what you guys mean now.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a slow. They had a turnaround. I saw them in 2008 in Saskatoon, one of the oh. first big arena concerts I went to,
0: and it was it was good it was memorably good a show i still continue to think about i really wanted to go to that show and i had tickets and i had to sell them because i i was booked to work at rogers video and you know i wasn't wasn't take letting anything get me fired from that job i i loved that job back in the day ratatouille was out on video you had to have those new releases on the shelf Oh man. Did you ever do the video store? Like, did you ever work in video stores? I don't know if we talked about this.
1: No, I never have. I tried, I leaned hard on the proprietor of uh pick a flick on her, her oh, yeah. drive. I really wanted to get a job with that guy. Cause I was in there renting quite a bit, but uh, no, never had any kind of rental store experience. It was always the dream for me.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I feel bad. Cause like, yeah, I think that especially anyone who loves movies as much as we do, like that's just a rite of passage that sucks that it was robbed so many people were robbed of the chance of doing that i worked at rogers and blockbuster and i can easily say rogers was the better job when i got hired the the manager was like one thing you needed to do was he would make you you took home two movies and then you'd have to basically write a book report or like a review and how you would sell it to a customer and what you'd say about it and you could pick any Ah. movies you wanted and this will show you like the date that i was working okay yeah (laughs) On the new release wall, there was the two movies I took home was Open Range or Open Season, the uh the animated movie.
1: Ashton Kutcher and Martin Lawrence. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it was that. And uh, the Trailer Park Boys movie.
1: How'd you like them?
0: I haven't seen either. (laughs) Oh, I loved them both at the time. But that's just it just goes to show how, you know, I'm a student of cinema. Uh, Those are the types of movies I was taking home at the time. (laughs) I've never told that story before but yeah they uh I will
1: I love that because it makes me feel like that guys like you and I it's like the Quentin Tarantino thing that I recently read his book Cinema Speculation and he names these obscure movies of like who could have ever you know heard or who remembers this with some no name whatever but then like if you were a kid when that movie came out and you went to a theater and saw it, you're going to remember it forever. It's like, what, what do you mean you don't remember Rebound with Martin Lawrence? Like That was a hit movie. Oh like Everyone God, saw rebound. rebound. Remember Juana Man? I haven't seen Juana Man. I think <laughs> I know the premise.
0: I completely forgot about that movie until you said Rebound for some reason. I can't imagine how rough that one would be these days.
1: I think yeah. rebound got made off the success of kicking and screaming. Yeah. But even, and screaming. even that movie didn't have enough that like the rising tide couldn't lift the ship of rebound,
0: but no, you know, another comedy from that era that is insanely underrated that I didn't really like when I when it first came out, but now I'm I see really clips curious. of it all the time. Semi pro.
1: Oh Yeah. So I saw like, that, that was in so good. Saw that in theaters and hated it. I'd be Me curious too. to go back. I loved Will Ferrell, and I saw
0: that and I thought it sucked. <laughs> um, I'd be really it's... curious to go back and rewatch that now, dude. It's so harsh. Like there's a like this. There's a scene at the beginning where Will Ferrell. He's like the captain of the team, and he's the announcer as well. So he's he's introducing his team and introducing himself last. He was pretty funny in Barbie, I thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like, you know, after Anchorman came out, he just did Anchorman over and over and over again. That um, is
1: true. Yeah. And I
0: guess be, even Semi Pro falls in line with that, but it just yeah, it stands out a little bit differently for me. I don't know. There's something about that movie that I just I find it fucking hilarious. I would be curious about that, that I liked Will Ferrell movies so much. Like
1: I saw Anchorman in theaters after my mom had already seen it. So she knew what she was getting us into. And she took me and my brother to go see it. And then my whole family saw Talladega Nights on vacation a couple of years later. So we were like a Will Ferrell fan family. I think I maybe went and saw Stranger Than Fiction in theaters. Maybe I don't even Uh know. Dude, but I did like, a midnight screening of
0: Stranger Than Fiction at the Rainbow Cinemas. Oh yeah, a lot of rowdy teens at that one, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. That would have been around the time I saw House of Wax on a midnight screening as well. That make that that stands too a little more recent than
1: Stranger yeah. Than Fiction, but
0: <laughs> Yeah, but yeah I what like I was maybe thinking.
1: If that movie was is super crass though, maybe it's because I was sitting in a theater with my parents watching it and I didn't want to laugh at something. That seemed that, you know, I wouldn't want to laugh at it in front of them Yeah, because like Anchorman and Talladega Nights, there's some innuendo and like whatever that, but that's also just a lot of like quippy one liners and kind of like physical comedy.
0: Yep, Talladega Nights, Christopher Nolan's favorite
1: movie.
0: (laughs) Yes, I love that. He's 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 so real. He's just a real guy. No, I love it as well. Do you have anything else uh, that you've seen recently, Zach, that you want to mention? Oh, geez, anything else? Uh, I watched death wish three kind of
1: enjoyed that. That was a very passive viewing. That was really a movie that was on the TV in the background, but I was happy to be able to strike that off the list. I've never seen the third. I don't think I've seen two or three. The third one, he's getting into a lot of like, he's really malicious at that point. Like he's like, it's a cat and mouse kind of thing. And he's setting people up for gruesome deaths. The score was done by Jimmy page, not, uh, Oh, not some of his best work, I might say, but, uh, kind of interesting. Nonetheless, I had no idea that Jimmy page did it scores. He's yeah. I don't know. I think he maybe did a few. I I don't can't name any other ones he did off the top of my head, but I feel like that's not the only one.
0: The first thing that comes up when you look it up on IMDb is, uh, Godzilla 1998. Oh yeah. The cashmere. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. The puff daddy cashmere riff. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, that that's awesome. Yeah, I I need to go go through that. I I went through a bit of a uh, Charles Bronson phase a couple years ago. I remember really liking the first Death Wish. I've I've watched a lot of him this year on
1: Tubi. There's a lot of canon films with Charles Bronson. You know, some of them are better than others. I think Ten to Midnight was pretty good. Kinjite. Oh, I love really Ten to good.
0: Midnight. You know which one sucks? That like is weird. it, it gets built up because there's a remake of it. But my God, uh, the the mechanic.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I did watch that one. That's a yeah, sleepy, sleepy movie. Is
0: that John Milius? I think so. Yeah, Something, yeah, yeah. That, that, one. W- that one wasn't good though. Yeah, you're right. I remember just thinking because like it has a great poster, and I've always heard like stories about Charles Bronson and and oh, is that Michael Winner? That's who directed it. Oh,
1: okay. i death of the Death Wish movies. Yeah,
0: yeah. I like a lot of Michael Winner movies. There's a really weird hokey uh 70s horror movie called the sentinel that he directed that has this really bizarre scene where they celebrate a birthday for a cat it's like one of those things that just like could not be more out of place in the movie um but i, I miss when that kind of shit snuck into mainstream movies but uh yeah so the death wish 3 you recommend
1: uh
0: i'd give it a recommend yeah okay awesome i got one more um i've so that's the tricky part. Is I was trying not to talk about it on the recording last night because that episode's going to come out later than this one. Um, but I was just so excited about it that I just couldn't help myself, and I want to give it just like a real authentic, actual review right now. And that's a, on Friday night. I went and saw "Talk to Me." Okay, the new A twenty four film from the Rocka Rocka team. Do you know anything about those guys? No, I don't think I do. So they're like Australian YouTubers and I've never seen their show. I still like I, I saw the movie on Friday and now I want to I want to go and see what else they've done. Uh, But they're the Filippo Fili- Filippo brothers. I need to learn how to pronounce that Uh, Danny and Michael Filippo because these guys crafted one of the best modern horror movies I've seen in a very long time. I absolutely loved this movie. I went with a couple of my buddies and uh, my pal, Nick Humphreys, who's my mentor, he's been on the show a bunch. And then my friend Patrick, who I'm making a movie with right now. And uh, we just kind of wanted to go and get inspired. And that's exactly what this movie did. It's it's truly like I don't want to overhype it so much because I do worry about, you know, things getting destroyed by hype. But there already is so much of it around this movie. I just don't see how you could be a fan of horror and go into this and not be like at least a little bit blown away it's it's just a really genuinely scary and intense hour and a half like it's a tight hour and a half it felt like it was like 20 minutes but um it's you know it's someone like myself my friend patrick who's like he's just kind of getting into horror at the moment and uh like he likes horror movies but they always work on him like when he's over and we're watching something at my house, he'll grab a pillow and he like holds it. He's one of those guys. He gets mm. genuinely scared. And I don't like I I've seen this stuff for so long. I'm just desensitized to it at this point. And there's a moment in talk to me that I I jumped out of my seat like and it wasn't even a jump scare. It was I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It made me just so like uncomfortable. Um, but I, I loved it. It's without a doubt the best horror movie I've seen this year. And I highly encourage anyone who's on the fence about going out to for it. I I think you should make some time to see it in uh,
1: in just like a word or two or a subgenre.
0: What uh, what are we dealing with with this movie? It's a it's a just straight up supernatural horror movie. Right. on. OK. And it is one of those things like it's another thing I mentioned next week <laughs> is that it seems like one of those, you know, there are rules and you got to. You got to follow these things in order to defeat this this thing, whatever this entity is. And it's essentially like these kids find a. They, it becomes kind of like a party trick where they they have this hand that when you touch it, you say "talk to me." You see a ghost in front of you, and then you say, "I let you in," and then you get possessed. And there's a way. It's almost like um, what's the game that people like kids were like making themselves pass out? Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Um. I do know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the name.
0: Yeah. So it's it's something like that. And I think one of the some of the criticisms I've seen, too, is it's like it's just a stupid concept, like what kids would ever do this. It doesn't make any sense. And it's like, well, first of all, it's a horror movie. um, So don't like you don't need to take everything so literally or seriously. But I feel like for me, it was definitely like the whole message is like an allegory on on what kids do for For attention these days like the immediate thing i thought about was when everyone was eating tide pods (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i was like this is just like a supernatural horror version of teenagers eating tide pods in front of cameras and there's also the
1: what were they snorting that you baking or was it starting rocks ah no but it was something of you where you eat a spoonful of flour the cinnamon Cinnamon there. Cinnamon yes, challenge. There go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's like that, but you're being
1: possessed by a demon. <laughs> I, I was in the wrong part of the pantry trying to remember what that
0: was. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, a flower would be terrible too. But I, I remember I did the cinnamon challenge and that was, that was terrible. Um, but no, it's just, it's a really clever, well-written and above all else, like so well acted. Uh There's like a couple, there's a specifically one, I would easily say it's an all-timer for a young adult performance, and that's Joe Bird who plays the character Riley. He's a little boy who you know partakes in the game, and you just can't believe the the performance that they got out of these people. And I can see why a lot of people like they're saying uh, this is like you know in line with something like it follows and hereditary, and it's right up there for me with like modern horror movies that I, I feel like I just saw a classic. So that's always exciting for me.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm excited to check this out from the Rocka Rocka crew. Yes. The Rocka
0: Rocka boys. I want to check out some of their YouTube stuff tomorrow, but uh, yeah. So talk to me was great, but that's, that's all I have to chat about. Do you want to, do you want to venture down into the world of the really rich world of Walt Disney and the haunted mansion? I
1: think we should get into the depth of development hell with the haunted mansion.
0: <laughs> All right. We'll see you all on the other side. The Gracie Mansion. 52 bedrooms. 67 bathrooms. 999. (laughs) ghosts and one unsuspecting guest who will come face to face with every one of them (laughs) the haunted mansion all right and welcome to our main feature presentation where we're going to be talking about two movies we're doing a double feature of the haunted mansion from 2003 and haunted mansion from 2023 Kicking things off with Rob Minkoff's The Haunted Mansion starring, oh, I got notes here. I I specifically planned, I didn't take many notes for this episode, but knowing that you were coming on, I planned something that you do on your show that is one of my favorite things in the world. This movie starring Eddie Murphy from The Adventures of Pluto Nash. (laughs) Uh, It's also starring Terrence Stamp from My Boss's Daughter. From Bowfinger. (laughs) From Bowfinger. Um... Mark John Jeffries from Get Rich or Die Trying, who's uh, okay, he, very nice. Yeah, he plays Michael Jordan Evers. Um, uh, do you know who I'm talking about when I say Steve Hintner? Steve the net, yeah, from uh, from Seinfeld, yeah, yeah. It, to me, I'm like, I see Steve Hintner and I just feel like this guy's just Phil Hartman at home,
1: yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I know that's very true, or uh, uh, Dylan Baker at home as
0: well, yeah, he's um. Yeah, Phil Hartman from Jingle All the Way, um, and then yeah, we got Wallace Shawn from House Arrest.
1: Wallace Shawn, the star, the star of Rifkin's Festival, one of my favorites.
0: <laughs> Did you ever see House Arrest? Do
1: you know what I'm talking about? I have seen House Arrest. I own that on DVD. Actually, that is that's a funny movie. And what I remember about that one is that he's so kind of happy to be there. It's like yeah. he's the one adult who's kind of enjoying the house arrest
0: yeah i haven't fuck i haven't seen that movie since before my parents were when well, my parents were were not divorced so that was before i was nine years old but i rented that movie a lot um, you
1: you had a game plan right there to prevent it from happening what happened mitch
0: then i saw the parent trap and i was like no what what was it there was a there was a divorce movie i saw that showed that you can you get two christmases so you get more gifts and i was like fuck it yeah let this marriage burn Oh, well, certainly you certainly have had to have talked about how in the 90s
1: the trend of divorced dad movies was oh, yeah. just the cultural zenith of the, the yeah. Santa Claus as well. Falls mm-hmm. Mrs. Doubtfire, Iron Giant,
0: I feel like is oh, yeah. also one of those.
1: Yeah.
0: Now thinking about it, those, are all like my favorite 90s movies as a kid. Um, yeah, great movies. Another great 90s, mo- Kevin Pollock uh, from End of Days. Um, yes. He's, he's a cop out. <laughs> yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis from Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Oh, I guess she, Jamie Lee Curtis, that's in 2023. She's in in that one. But yeah, I think that's all I got here. But uh, I just, I don't know if I've ever laughed harder than when I was listening to you <laughs> and Scott Hamilton talking Army of Darkness. and <laughs> He was like, said something about Mark Wahlberg. And you're like, oh, Mark Wahlberg from Planet of the Apes.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, I always, uh, I always try to, contextualize these stars from sort of like how I remember them or how they first yeah. came onto my radar so yeah I, I got a real kick out of that
0: I was thinking about it today like I don't like like I would think of a hundred other movies to with Mark Wahlberg before Planet of the Apes <laughs> I was like I was thinking this morning I was like when I was writing that I'm like I think I would have said Contraband before it's like Planet of the Apes and that's like one of the most forgettable movies ever made
1: You'd say mystery men before you'd even mention that as a Tim Burton movie. (laughs) Oh my God. That's that's, yeah. That is so true. That's no one's, no one's most memorable moment. That movie. Oh God. Yeah.
0: I, I, unfortunately, I definitely, I remember going to that in the theater and uh, I love, I think I pretended that I loved mystery men growing up. I got to see it again. It's been a while or do I, when's the last time you watched mystery men? Last time
1: I watched it, it wasn't for me. I'll say that much. I believe uh, that but i've heard it's a classic from people who i do yeah. i most the mostly trust their judgment i don't know
0: yeah i've just never been a big greg Kinnear guy i don't know what it is but he's just kind of always bugged me and i think that that he kind of was like repellent for me from rewatching that movie i can i i do like him but i know exactly the Kinnear
1: quality that you're getting at he's a little too uh he's he's like white bread but he's also like a third guy from the left like he's not quite a leading man kind of
0: handsome but he doesn't quite have like the juice yeah he's just always like a sarcastic asshole and i think maybe like because i feel like a lot of times people will shit on things that people do and then you find out the reason is because it's like oh that's kind of how i am (laughs) like uh for a while i didn't like jason bateman but then I was like, everything I don't like about Jason Bateman are all qualities that I have that I hate about myself. That's, we never like to
1: feel too seen. I, yeah, yeah. I know a bit of that as well.
0: Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, I think, oh, yeah, the last one I have here is, um, it's always a plus for me when Jennifer Tilly shows up in anything. Cause like I was such a huge fan of Bride of Chucky growing up. And honestly, I still love that movie. Like that franchise is up there as well. was one of my favorites. I, it's just so much fun. Like even the weaker installments I have a good time with. Uh but yeah, it was it was fantastic seeing her show up in this and play Madame Ray Liotta.
1: Yeah, Jennifer Tilly, uh someone who if she falls into the friend Drescher camp of uh be put, put her in something and you have my attention. You have yeah.
0: No, that's a that's a great poll. They're both like they have such unique voices.
1: I th- yeah, I think uh they appeal They're they're a type, they're a type in the same, the two of them for a certain kind of
0: adolescent. Yeah, let's get Let's get into the movie now. So um, when you said you saw this in the theater.
1: Yes, I did. I my mom took me to go see this in theaters when it was new. Um, Not sure why. Well, I mean, I went and saw a lot of movies as a kid, you know, as you know, if we had a reward for something or, you know special occasion. Go to see a movie was always a nice treat. I do have a brother and he didn't come to see this. He would have been 11 at the time. So not too old for this movie, but maybe he felt too old for it. I think I probably enjoyed it at the time. I don't remember hating it, but I never had any desire to get back to it afterwards. I was a big Eddie Murphy fan when I was a kid. Certainly by the time this movie came out, I had seen The Nutty Professor. I had seen Shrek. I was immersed in the fast-talking, funny man, Eddie Murphy. So I think that was probably a big selling point, maybe for me, as odd as it might be, but that Eddie Murphy was a child's... You know, a kid's movie star in
0: 2003. Yeah. No, he, he really was. Like, I... At this time, Daddy Daycare, probably the same year. I saw that in theaters. Yeah. yeah well, Daddy Daycare, Dr. Doolittle. Um, and yeah, like uh, what? uh there's so many movies. Oh, you said Bowfinger. And I know that's a was it. But Bo- yeah, Bowfinger is one that you and I kind of bonded over a little bit. Yeah, because like I grew up with that movie and I loved it. Well, I didn't get to that one until
1: later. Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin are both kinds of examples of they were super ubiquitous, specifically when I was a young kid of like 2002. There was a trillion, you know, bringing down the house cheaper by the dozen, Looney Tunes back in action. Like Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin were both cooking so much. Yeah. And then by the time that I was like 14 or whatever, and I'd outgrown just kind of like the shit that a child watches, and then I had a reappreciation for these people. And I'm like, oh no, Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin are like goaded. I grew up watching the shittiest stuff they've ever done. But like 20 years earlier, these guys were kings. And then that's where I went and saw Bowfinger and I saw all of the classic Eddie Murphy movies and really you know, like had the comedy fan appreciation. But when I watch it now, like when I went back and just sat and watched Haunted Mansion, this is, you know, Eddie Murphy kind of making an okay paycheck he's not sleepwalking in this movie the way he does in uh west craven's vampire in brooklyn where i think yeah. he's giving a really bad performance he's got his eyes open in this movie like he's kind of got some energy to it
0: yeah you could still still see that he's like having a bit of fun with it yeah i guess i'll just quickly jump in with my my history with this thing is i i didn't see this until i think it would have been like 2018 or something like that OK, because I would have been I was a 13 year old movie snob at this point, even though I was secretly, you know, renting open season and trailer park boys. I just remember being like I was a teenager. I was I was I wasn't a little kid watching these movies anymore where I was like Haunted Mansion isn't for for people at my age group. That's like I was too old for it, even though I was watching six Monsters. months
1: can make such a difference. Like you, yeah. you, you can be just on the other side of something and you miss it completely.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I, I was watching Monsters Inc on repeat at this time. So it's like, what what the fuck was wrong with me? Um, but honestly, I'm kind of happy I didn't see it then because I watched it in 2018. I think that's around the time I would have watched it. I think it's because I was going to planning a trip to Disneyland and Universal in Florida. And I was excited to go on the Haunted Mansion ride. And uh, I didn't hate it by any means at that time. But it just felt like, yeah, yeah, it's it's a mess but it's like a it's, it's a kid's movie. It's not made for me. And I was like, I'm sure I probably would have liked it if I would have seen it when I was, you know, seven, eight or, you know, the target demographic for it. Uh, but looking back on it now, like on a rewatch, I just there's so much I actually really like about this movie. I think that like the storyline and the jokes don't really land almost like ever sometimes that, so much so that it becomes funny that the, the jokes just are that bad. It's pretty uh, sweaty. Yeah, it totally is. It just doesn't feel natural in any way. But, you know, a huge part of the reason why I love horror so much and why I obsess over this art form is because of the makeup work and like this special effects. And this was famously done by Rick Baker, who is one of the best to ever do it. And there's something about this movie that has this the spooky autumnal quality that I just really like looking at it and i I've, I've even I was looking at some reviews today of it and people are saying that it's like a really ugly looking movie and I couldn't I couldn't disagree more like I like how this movie looks. I think the ghosts look awesome like the skeletons that are popping out or it just feels very Halloweeny for me, which is why you know i I give it a huge pass because of that like it's almost like I have blinders on because it's like, oh, it's showing me things that I like so it's kind of tricking me into into liking it but it's a pretty surface level movie it's but it's it's fun enough and it's not two fucking hours long no i uh i
1: i would really agree with quite a bit of what you said there like my takeaways on this watching was like yeah like eddie murphy as i was saying before it's like comedy movies are not the way to showcase that like that someone's super funny it's like you're there to give a performance serve a function within a story try to be funny along the way if you can like eddie murphy's doing what he can with the material the supporting cast is okay wallace sean you know always a joy to see him like it's not super spooky but it is well it's it's not super scary but it is super spooky it's super adorned with the you know, haunted mansion. Like, it feels like going into a haunted house or at least having one described to you. Um, it has all of these tangible qualities to it. I felt that watching the oh, 03 and now watching the 23 side by side, it's just a compare and contrast and like, what has changed in filmmaking that this movie some of the sets look cheap but they still look like sets that's pretty cool they don't yeah, look exactly like, they don't look like a cheap shitty green screen like i thought that sometimes i thought this movie looked really impressive and then sometimes i thought it looked pretty cheap and kind of like it had aged sort of poorly but at no point did i think that it just looked like no thought or effort was put into it whatsoever it looks like a movie that was poured over and director Rob Binkoff who directed the lion King as well. This guy's had an interesting career, crazy started in animation and then broke into feature film directing and made the Stuart little films. And then this, and I think continued to have a live action career after this one, but it, it, yeah, like it, I thought that it had like Giallo lighting. Like I've come to really have an appreciation for yeah. lighting in old movies because I have an appreciation for how underlit everything shot nowadays is for the most part, or that it's done with you know available lights. You know, it doesn't have any cinematic layer of interest to it. It just looks like you're in the room with people standing there watching it happen and what's the, you know, or it's desaturated to be just gray nothingness, which is such a problem with media of the last like decade we're coming on now. Maybe I, uh, I was also impressed. I must say that I didn't think the haunted mansion, I was like, how scary can a Disney horror and we're going to put it in quote, you know? Yeah it's a Disney horror movie and it's an Eddie Murphy. How scary can this be? And then we do have like suicide imagery in the opening credits of this movie. We've got, Oh yeah, it's Terrence, Terrence stamp being dragged to hell at the climax of this movie. Like that looked like something out. It's like, what movie am I watching? I'm checking like the YouTube rental and stuff. When that happens at the end of the 90
0: minute movie. Yeah, that's that's what you get for being in uh, My Boss's Daughter.
1: I, I'm curious if that is that one you've seen? Can you give me a recommend the on that?
0: Was it good? No, it was it was awful. I can't re- I can't remember pretty much anything about it, but I just remember it was very much in that time where it was like My Boss's Daughter and just married and Ashton and Kutcher also- was somehow on top of the world with punked. There was also
1: In Good Company with Dennis Quaid right. and Topher Grace. I saw that one. That was a, um, what what's the, you know, Armageddon and deep impact of its
0: day was uh, my boss's daughter. Yeah, I had a, a burnt DVD copy of In Good Company. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, I watched that one quite a bit as a kid. But no, uh, where was, oh yeah, the I don't know how I got us off on that, but. Yeah, like, I don't know, man, just like the sets and the ghosts and the skeletons in this movie are worth it for me. Um, it's also fun seeing Eddie Murphy not in a fat suit or being like overly offensive in, in that regard. Uh, you know, people often forget how truly funny that man is. Like, his stand-up is some of the greatest ever. He's one of the best to ever do it.
1: Yeah, I think, I think the movie is like it's what I remembered from 2003 that like they kind of they're at the mansion like less than ten minutes into the movie, right? Like even if you include the credits, like they're at the mansion right in the first act, they're, you know, the spooks and scares start pretty early on. There's nothing that I found uh, egregious or shitty about this movie, which is maybe not the most ringing of endorsements, but it's also, you know that's that's more than you can say about plenty of movies like yeah this I, I would totally if i was a parent or if i was hosting a halloween party and i wanted something on in the background this is you know it's uh it's got all the visuals that you would want to see and it's got just kind of a spooky atmosphere to it i loved the heads the barbershop quartet singing yeah. heads who i feel like those were. of the marketing right like those had to have been all. i wrote that's like one of the
0: main things i remember about it and i feel like even you posted this a couple weeks ago um it was like falling or falling asleep watching a movie and waking up to like the dvd yeah screen and i'm pretty sure because i think my sister rented haunted mansion or someone did and i was around the like title screen and it was those fucking heads singing i'm like that would be nightmarish to wake up to in the middle of the night scene
1: selection I can yeah. imagine it yeah but and those felt like uh, I'd so I there's a bit of a tangent here that I did see Barbie today and I had seen a compare and contrast from someone who went to a Barbie test screening and then went and saw the theatrical cut and like said what the differences were and I had read prior to going into the movie that there was way more Michael Sarah compared to the test cut. And then I saw the movie and there's so many one second just like shots of Michael Sarah that just feels super shoehorned in because it's like, oh, people just love Alan. Like they just want more of Alan. Apparently they the one kid loves the Speedo man. Like, so that's what I felt with the talking heads in this movie. When they come back at the end, it's like they wanted these singing heads to be like on T-shirts like these were going to be the minions. They're going to be toys of these heads. What a poor calculation. <laughs> like, but but I would love to, to sorry, to no,
0: go, go with another
1: it. thing here. I would love to know for you, because this movie, I'm, I'm fascinated with uh, Hollywood success, and I'm fascinated with failure, and I'm fascinated with the best laid plans that go awry and don't work out. This, was, this came out the same year, I believe, as Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, a movie that grossed four times as much as this movie that film was a massive success spawned a huge franchise that continues probably into this decade. I don't even know.
0: Are they still making those movies? Yeah. Like, yeah, they are. I think they have one with Margot Robbie coming back and then or coming out. And then, you know, that they're going to somehow find a way to get Johnny Depp back in. Yeah. Everyone involved. Everyone needs it. Everyone (laughs) needs it. Disney needs it. Yeah. I uh I was going to mention that as well, like for obvious reasons, the the year and that it's a Disney ride and uh, it had such a just a landslide success compared to this. But Curse of the Black Pearl is a fucking amazing movie. Like I, um, I still I didn't like it in theaters. I thought it was boring. I might have been a little just on the young side for all have that. Have you not seen it since? So, uh, probably not, honestly. Dude, the the original like Curse of the Black Pearl is and I'm um, it's so good. Like I I love that movie. And I even like, I like Dead Man's Chest cuz I'm I like I'm a sea boy. I like stuff on the sea. I've always been like a I was really into pirates as a kid as well. I can't really sing the praises for any of the other pirates movies, but specifically Curse of the Black Pearl, like that's that's one that every time I go back to it every couple like, you know, 4 to 5 years, it kind of blows me away at by like it's just a really well put together movie and it's, it looks great and it's fun and the performances are like nothing else. And that's saying a lot for a movie with Orlando Bloom, a guy who's like, could be compared to having the charisma of a bowl of oatmeal. I was going to say mashed potatoes that you took the words right out of my mouth there. yeah. Yeah. No,
1: maybe I, uh, I should go back and check that out. That was not, um, I just wanted to watch the mask at that age, you know, like I needed the Eddie Murphy comedy side of things, but it is just like fascinating to me that like, they didn't make this movie wanting to make a quarter of what pirates of the Caribbean made. They wanted this to make as much money. There Mm -hmm. was a, there was a plan for this movie that it was going to have in 2023 the cultural impact and the legacy that this pirates franchise does not just be something that's since been remade twice once with the Muppets. Like, it's just a bizarre look into a different world, but it's like, did they cause I remember Pirates of the Caribbean being like, oh, it's a Disney movie, but it's like kind of dark. Like there's this doesn't yeah. feel like kid appropriate. Then this movie, it's like a guy's fucking hanging himself in the opening credits and it's like, okay, this is a, like in a different direction. Like, but yeah, yeah, audiences didn't respond to it, I guess, or they responded, but not enough to make this a, a phenomenal hit.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I'm pretty sure this one did bomb pretty hard, didn't it? Like I think it did. I didn't quite have the
1: that's no, I don't have the information in front of me. But
0: yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't even think to look at that. But I'm. Oh, let's look at this. So he made $75 million. I had a budget of 90 million. So yeah, it was it was a bit of a like, yeah, it was a flop. Big um, Big flop. Yeah. Big time. And yeah, like you said, they, they, they clearly did want this to be the next Pirates of the Caribbean or like they, they wanted, they were hoping both of those movies would take off in the way that Pirates did. Uh, but then, yeah, it is interesting thinking that now 20 years later, they're like, well, let's take another whack at it. And Eddie Murphy, we-
1: it's, I'm just, I'm just shocked hearing that there's like Pluto Nash, like he had so many bombs. He's had mm-hmm. so many movies that have come out and not like, I wonder whose movies have lost more money than his, if you discount the ones that have made a ton of money and yeah, just like look at the you... ones that have like really fucked studios up a thousand yeah. words, like Meet day. Oh, Cause like yeah. he got to a point of like career, that thing where it's like my money doesn't even get out of bed for less than like a $5 million payday. Like you get such a bloat to it yeah, that it's like, you're not getting an Eddie Murphy or a Jim Carrey movie made without a budget of, yeah, $80 million. Cause like 30 of that is going to them. That's a great, these... a great,
0: a uh, great example. Cause like, yeah, you look at like, imagine that and meet Dave and it's like Mr. Popper's penguins and all that shit. Well, and something that I've heard discussed
1: on the blank check podcast that I think is, you know, really true and you can really see it with comedians is you're funny in the beginning doing your own thing and being unique and original and also, if you're new and young, you get good material. And then when you become an established name and people know that a Jack Black, you know, on a poster is good for money. That's when they give you Gulliver's Travels. That's when they start giving you shit that's not good. Year one. isn't That's not funny. Year one. It's not good. It isn't funny. It's a bad script. But you're funny. You can make this shit material work, right? You're Jim Carrey. You can't take yes man and make this a funny movie
0: yeah true. and like
1: they stop getting interesting roles or anything they just get like shit again from development hell like stuff that's like sitting on the table no one's really touching and that's why when you read the imdb trivia for movies from the 2000s it's always like Willy he Won- or charlie and the chocolate factory like Actors considered for this were like Sean Penn, Bill Murray, Vince Vaughn. Oh it's God. like you hadn't, it's like you didn't know what the hell you wanted. Like, yeah. No, kidding. no one knows anything making this stuff.
0: No, and it like the early 2000s, this has actually oddly come up quite frequently in the last couple of episodes of the show, but it was such a confused time. Like people really didn't know what direction things should have gone. It, it really doesn't feel like there's a lot of movies that. Had a, a vision or a focus that, you know, seems like we're we're finally getting back to a time where people are putting a lot of attention and stock into, you know, filmmaking, like actually forming something that's going to stand the test of time. Have you seen because I know Murphy's been making a pseudo comeback over the last couple of years. Like I still haven't seen Dolmite as my name. I've heard great things about it, though.
1: I've heard great things as well. Still haven't seen that. Heard terrible things about coming to America, too. I can believe that I was yeah. super, super hyped on uh, I think it's called You People, the Jonah Hill, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Eddie Murphy, interracial yeah. dating comedy, just kind of just ended up on Netflix and I never watched it. And never, I don't have Netflix anymore, I guess, but is that the uh, Jonah Hill
0: kiss movie where they CGI would the kiss? They CGI would
1: the kiss at the end. Yeah, <laughs> wild. So I haven't seen that, but like that but and I, we're going on just a million different tangents yeah. here but when movies go straight to netflix they're, they're, they're not real movies like they don't it's i need the i need to have a memory of seeing the poster in the auditorium like you know
0: it's yeah, we it's are missing this
1: service to the work of people to just have like ah, oh, it's like a tv it's like it doesn't count it's not a real
0: no, yeah, it, de- it definitely does feel like everything is just diluted at this point and it's it's a real shame cuz I remember it would even be exciting when like you would see all the like when you go to a video store and there's the wall of the new releases and it has like the, all of them you see the same cover and over and over and over again and then there would be like a special Artie lang and beer league oh my god yeah yeah like there's so many so many interesting posters and artwork like obviously not a lot of it good but Going back to Haunted Mansion, like, I like the poster for this one.
1: Yeah, I do, too, with Eddie Murphy's uh, scared and befuddled face on the front.
0: Yeah, yeah, it totally just, like, it's exactly what it is. Um, But I like that one, and I like the one that's just, like, of the the Haunted Mansion doors. Um, But, yeah, like, this, I I don't know, like, did you find this movie overly funny at any moment? no i will say that outright i think
1: the eddie murphy being like so you're trying to tell me a ghost is trying to get jiggy with my wife (laughs) that that line is funny but also i just found it funny how often eddie murphy in the movie does the it's in the mission impossible movies a lot as well which i was watching this month but like so you're trying to tell me yeah wait let me get this straight so if I'm following right, it's like they're just spoon feeding you the plot the exposition, yeah. you know, every bit of the way. But like Eddie Murphy, he's doing it just multiple times per scene, mm-hmm. and it's like, did like, did you have like a script supervisor? It's just every single line of dialogue is just him being like, "Hold up, let me get this yeah. straight."
0: And you know what's kind of sad is they they revert to that again in the new one. Like there there's a couple moments like that in the in this this 2023 version as well and that really stood out to me but that was that's a prime example of like what i was talking about where some of the some of the jokes in it are so not funny that they are funny to me because i'm like what who (laughs) how do you come up with this
1: well like yeah and him when eddie murphy's getting upset at the singing heads like yeah it's hokey i'm reminded of the little ashes from army of darkness like it's annoying and like carnivalesque like frustrating cheesy annoying scary these are all kind of working in concert together
0: yeah no exactly and yeah i don't know like have you did you ride the haunted mansion ride at universal or sorry walt disney have you ever been
1: i've been to florida in 2002 and then in 2009 we went to california i can't really remember the haunted mansion specifically there's, you know, I don't know, like on my Disney trips, you know, you're eager to see the teacups and the kind of the Mm -hmm. ones that seem super iconic, but I don't really remember specifically a lot of the rides that I did go on the Aladdin magic carpet. I remember was a fun one. I remember I chickened out of this is a ridiculous story, but I chickened out so many times of going on the Aerosmith rock and roller coaster
0: Oh, yeah. Because we took
1: time off of school. We went in November for my brother and my birthdays. So we were there when like school was in session, when the parks were like totally dead empty. Mm
0: -hmm. So we could
1: like ride. There was no lines, anything. And I chickened out like three times in a row to ride the Aerosmith roller coaster. And then my dad finally agreed to ride it with me. And I waited until he got strapped in and then chickened out and he rode it without me.
0: (laughs) that's so funny uh, that yeah that's like such a rite of passage to to do that and like the feeling of that's like i love roller coasters now like it's it's one of my things like whenever i'm like feeling particularly depressed i like think about i'm like fuck if i just had money i would buy a flight to florida and just ride the hulk roller coaster all day on repeat just because it, it it helps so much like boost my endorphins and see um, again serotonin. that that's that's the difference of terror versus horror. Like that's adrenaline. Like that's, yeah. that's something
1: that like gets your heart, that like, gets you feeling like you're living. That's not something that I'm getting from the haunted mansion. No. necessarily. That's it's a different kind
0: of feeling, but absolutely. I like closing thoughts on that. Like I, I love that haunted mansion ride. It's, uh I like, you know, I said before, I just like the aesthetic. I'm a huge Halloween nerd. So I just love the season and I love the, the fog and the spooky vibes of everything and all the the ghosts and I I think the ghosts look great in this movie. Um, and it just goes to show though, because like this was back when this would have been around the tail end of Rick Baker's career, because I think it was Maleficent that officially made him shut down his shop because he's like, there's just no point in doing this anymore because everything's just you know either done on computers or CGI and it's his work gets covered up or. Um, He went from having like one of the biggest studios in the world to saying that he's like, I could have done Maleficent in my garage. And uh, that's really disheartening. But this was still an era where even if the ghosts and they have some like CGI cleanup on them, they still look like they were real people dressed up like that. And uh, I I love the look of them.
1: As I'm thinking of it now, I do have memories of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. That one I do really like. And that also has a movie. That was like a Disney Channel movie. Steve Gutenberg. Oh, is it Steve? I guess that probably is him in that. It's Steve
0: Gutenberg And I'm pretty sure Kristen Dunst. That movie movie is it's it's been popping up everywhere lately. I don't I don't know how that happened. But yeah, everyone like a, a lot of places that I follow on social media are like revisiting Tower of Terror from I think it was like 1998 or something like that yeah that sounds right that
1: i liked that as a kid that was good and that going on the ride knowing that movie was definitely an exciting thing
0: yeah that uh that ride scared the shit out of me when i was a kid and i love that one as well um but yeah do you have any closing thoughts on uh haunted mansion 2003 uh only my one final note here is
1: that it was uh nelly playing over the credits and it was the song that has um Samples the Law and Order theme song, right? Do you remember that? Yeah.
0: That... I I laughed pretty hard when the credits kicked in. It it's uh,
1: odd an odd choice. <laughs> that's, that's that's all I can really say. It just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it was good. I, you know, nice to hear the Nelly song, but at the end of the movie, it, you know, I thought it would maybe be something a little more horror oriented, but
0: no, no, it's family fun. And the, this would have been around the time we saw Nellie starring in films like The Longest Yard. Oh, of course. Yeah, if probably uh, Auditorium 2 just down the hall when this was playing. Oh, no, this was 2005. So er, no, Longest Yard is 2005. Oh, this is but... 2003. Oh, yes, we're getting, yeah. What a It was a different time. Nelly on top of the world. Well,
1: maybe I'll say one more point, but this is to move forward into the discussion of the, this new one, which also came out in Bricked and I think is not uh, doing well at the box office on its opening weekend, even though you and I both went and saw it. I don't know. I can't believe I did that. Two single tickets sold and this movie's not making boffo, but yeah. um, I can really imagine as i was watching this movie and as i was seeing the singing heads i can really imagine bob eiger or um jeffrey katzenberg like any of these guys who've run disney over the years like you watch dvd special features or you see these like making of featurettes and it's like you know oh and we you know we had to ask permission from the ceo to do this and it's like they do this like Disney thing to make the CEOs of Disney seem like good, nice guys. And like, yeah, I knew, you know, from the moment I saw the concept art for Sully, I, I knew we had a classic film on our hands <laughs> and like they all, they're so quick to take credit for, you know, like when a movie goes right, it's always going to be like, Oh, and I always look at, you know, one-eyed Mike Wazowski. And I think, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg, like believed in this movie and like, you would be saying that about Haunted Mansion. You'd be saying that about the shaggy dog with Tim Allen. If it made a buck. Oh, like God. Complete. Saw that in theaters. Wow. Complete, just shameless. Uh, you know, they're just they're looking to make a buck off these products and off this IP. They do it to such mixed success so often but you can tell that like they're just chomping at the bit uh take credit for any success when it
0: comes let's get on to the the new one because i think that this this statement is going to touch in on that but the film's obviously yeah like you said it's not doing well so let's dig into the haunted mansion from 2000 or sorry haunted mansion 2023 just haunted mansion it's cleaner
1: wait I should warn you, before you step inside the house, this could change
0: the course of your entire life. I'm not afraid of a couple ghosts. (laughs) You say that now.
1: This mansion is unhinged. (laughs) These ghosts definitely don't want to leave. Death lurks around every corner.
0: Give us a break. There's so many bad people in the world. Haunt them. Amen. I do like surprises. Is anybody else seeing this? I hope you do too. Whoa! We're gonna fight whether we like it or not. Or else we're stuck here for eternity. Me! If this comes down to an exorcism, we're in big trouble. Whoa!
1: is dripping with souls but there's always room for one more
0: He was tall. He had hair that was sticking out of a top hat. Top, top hat. Yes. He had yeah, so nice like top hat. You would pull a rabbit out of it, probably. Uh, eyes. They were a bit sunken. Sunken eyes. Like a raccoon. And they set back. Hmm. And he was smiling like hey, yeah, like that. This kind of thing. Exactly.
1: Is this the man who mugged you? Wow! <gasps> you just did that oh, just oh, now. Oh, oh, oh.
0: going off of that like think about the time that we're living in right now like with the the industries just in the shit in the shits right now it's really sad what's all going on with the strikes and everything but on the other hand theaters are packed because people are dressing up and going to see barbie and oppenheimer in the same day uh there's a new mission impossible movie out and for the love of god i just can't wrap my head around how they thought of releasing haunted mansion in july with all these other movies and not in october and i've read read into it a little bit and it's uh it sounded like they were they thought that it would bomb really hard if it came out in october because there's all these other horror movies they could go to like people are going to want to go and see actual horror movies i'm like that just doesn't make any sense if there's a time this movie's going to succeed it's in october It's the stupidity of like, like this
1: is a movie for children, people like this is something to take your kids to. You're not going to be like, if you're going, you're not walking to the theater and being like, do I want to see haunted mansion or exorcist homecoming or whatever that movie is going to be. That doesn't look good. Oh I, my god, I dude! Know. I can't even. I, I don't can't know, even. We want to get into that. No, I didn't. Oh. I didn't see the trailer for that before Oppenheimer, but I heard people who did see it saying how bad it was, so I had to look it up. Wants, uh, I like. I, be I considered for that.
0: I consider The Exorcist to maybe be the greatest horror movie ever made, and uh, like I've been, you know, I wasn't a big fan of David Gordon Green's Halloween movies, so my hopes weren't super high about this new Exorcist. But I had heard that there there might be a trailer before Oppenheimer and it, it was playing when I saw Oppenheimer. And it honestly took like 30 seconds into the trailer for me to even realize I was like, oh my, oh my God, this is the exorcist. Mm-hmm. Like, and not God. in a good way either. <laughs> like No. I'm not yeah, I'm I'm not too uh not too stoked for that one. I don't know if I'm gonna be rushing out. Um I don't know if I'm gonna go to the theater 20 minutes from my house on a Saturday morning at 12 by myself and say one ticket to the exorcist like I did with the haunted man or sorry with haunted mansion I went to a
1: suburban mall I like went out into the sticks to see this movie in like a proper dive mall movie theater for a 750 ticket price and it was a it was a good experience it was an authentic you know I saw it with
0: a real crowd did you have a crowd in your theater I did, but well, it wasn't huge. Like there was probably about like forty people in there, but honestly, it was like ninety-five percent of them were adults, which I was kind of surprised by because that's one thing. Like when I pulled up to the theater that morning, I just thought, "God damn it, Mitch, why? Why did you agree to this? Like, or why did you?" I know, I, I, know, sure I know. I, I think I you said haunted mansion 20, 2003, and I was like, "Let's double feature it. I'll go see the new one," and then I was like walking in there and I just felt so wrong. I'm like, I'm a 33 year old man walking to see Haunted Mansion by myself. But then I felt less bad when uh, I saw how many adults were there.
1: Yeah. My, my screening of Haunted Mansion on Saturday gave me the guts to go see Barbie as a single man of nearly 30 by myself this yeah. afternoon. So yeah, it was a bit, bit of a crowd in my theater as well. Some kids, some adults, Didn't seem like it was going over well with the audience, I would say. But like, I I don't know. Barbie didn't seem like it was making the audience laugh either. Like it kind of also played to a
0: dead room. And there's a lot more people in Barbie. Yeah, the Barbie crushed when I saw it. Like the the audience was going wild for it. And then, like I said, there wasn't many people in my screening of Haunted Mansion. But I picked up on that people were generally enjoying it. That's kind of how it felt. I got walkouts on both movies. Actually,
1: there was a mother and a young daughter who walked out of Haunted Mansion and then two mm, young adult girls around like university age walked out of Barbie right during the um, America Ferrera, you know, monologue about what the expectations put on women. Two women got up and walked out during that. Interesting. I don't yeah, know. that
0: is very interesting. But the world is interesting right now. People are out of their fucking minds all across the world. So there's no real rhyme or reason or understanding to this. But uh, but the yeah, movies yeah, were only whole...
1: laughing. They were only laughing at the Will Ferrell parts of Barbie. Mostly, like that was what was getting the laughs out of the That's audience. So like, oh, weird. There's there's other people in here with me. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's so weird. And that that, not to bring it back to Barbie. I am mean, like I, Will Ferrell was my least favorite part of that movie. Like I, I didn't, uh, I didn't find those scenes overly really funny or anything. I just
1: enjoy, it's been a while since I've seen him, like his little, just like one off one liner things. I was just getting yeah. a good kick. Like Kate McKinnon is someone I also hadn't seen in a while. And whenever Kate McKinnon came on, I'm like, you can go back where you've been. Like, I don't really need <laughs> But Will Farrell I had an appreciation for.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. And then but then so we got Haunted Mansion of 20, 2023 twenty twenty twenty-three directed by Owen Justin Owen Wilson. Seaman. Owen yeah, we got Owen Wilson from Cars 2. <laughs> that's a
1: great one. Uh, Marley and Me Wonder.
0: Oh my god. I have not Drill seen... Bit
1: Taylor, of course. Drill, Drill yes, it's
0: gotta be Drill Bit Taylor. That's the go to.
1: Kyle Zervinsky is uh, pounding the table right now listening to
0: be <laughs> like Drill Bit Taylor. Oh, but also,
1: um, you on the previous episode, The House on Haunted Hill, you were trying to remember the name of Space Channel, number 39. Uh, yeah,
0: that's what it was, Space Channel. Space that's Channel, true. yeah.
1: I was listening to it, and then Boozy was saying, someone out there is, like, yelling at
0: their iPod. I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, and then we got... uh, uh, we L- got Lakeith Stanfield. Stanfield. I don't know if I'm going to be able to have a deep poll for him. Like, I just... Honestly, he's the reason I wanted to go to this movie. I really like Lakeith Stanfield. He's he's got so much charisma.
1: He's he like it's you see people like him on screen, and it's like oh, there's still movie stars out there. Like Mm -hmm. there's still people who really have that like can carry an entire movie on their shoulders and have charisma and like star power. They're not just all, you know, people from the past, but like they need to have careers. Yeah, exactly. Of a star, not just like water it down, doing crap and being on social media. Like I find that Tom Cruise, you know, the fact that he makes movies, he is on the red carpet and then he goes away again and you don't see him until he has a movie. There's yeah. an exclusivity to him. That's what, stars nowadays lack is that they're just in front of us all the time yeah true they're hosting podcasts out of their garages
0: or whatever you know they're doing what we do there's not uh a potency to it he does feel like just an authentic actor like a true true master of his craft or someone that's at least always pushing the envelope a little bit and you see that in his tremendous the first time i ever saw him was in short term 12 and he just absolutely floored me in that movie and then, you know, since then, Judas and the Black Messiah is amazing. Um, Sorry to Bother You is a fucking great movie. Uncut uh, Gems. Uncut Gems. He's so good.
1: Death Note.
0: Uh, I guess
1: he's in Straight Out of Compton, but I haven't seen that since theaters.
0: I don't know who he plays does, in that, but. That was a great movie. I think he plays Snoop Dogg. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's Snoop Dogg. But yeah, I know he's great. And then Rosario Dawson, I've had a crush on my entire life, and she's, she's great. We obviously, everyone knows her from. Uh, clerks too from clerks too that's what <laughs> I think of of course when I think of her
1: um and rent yeah no I've had yeah. a crush on her for some time as well nice when you uh, check in on an old flame and it's you know then your heart still flutters yeah it was nice to see Rosario and that uh, was I enjoyed spending my afternoon with her
0: yeah no she's she's great and uh, obviously I think she's just about to blow up even more. And more than ever, because she's playing the character in the Star Wars series that I don't know if I'll ever see. But then, of course, you got D- Danny DeVito from Be Cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is a pull from uh,
1: from Look Who's Talking Again.
0: Oh, my God. Look, I I talk about Look Who's Talking way too much. <laughs> I grew up with those movies and they're such
1: pieces of shit. We had a teacher in high school. We had life transitions and it was the home ec teacher. It was supposed to be teaching you how to like do your taxes and pay your bills, like be a functioning adult. But it was Mm -hmm. just a teacher total, like feet on the desk had been teaching 25 years. This course syllabus had not been upgraded. So all she did was show us movies and she showed us look who's talking to understand what it's like to have a baby she showed us Not mm. Without My Daughter, the like Iranian husband, you know, ki- kidnapping movie. And then um, there was another crazy one in there as well, Sleeping with the Enemy. Wild. That you Julia Roberts. At, these were like co- these were court, yeah, in grade 12. These were like assigned and like clearly just movies that she liked that she had taped off TV. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's wild. Yeah, we always saw wild shit like that in school. Like, I remember Christian Ethics watching Batman Begins and X-Men. It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? But okay, we got to move on to the one of the most egregious things about this movie that I I honestly felt like I forgot that this person was even in the movie, but we got Jared Leto in this thing, apparently. And yeah, the, yeah. Jared, uh-huh. He, my God. Like let's okay, let's just start talking about the movie. What did you What did you think about Haunted Mansion?
1: I thought that it had no ever loving reason to be over the two hour mark. Oh I no! Start, way. I will start with that. I I thought the same thing about Barbie. To be fair, but like there is nothing wrong with a ninety minute movie. I'm not going to walk out of a ninety minute movie and be like, my watch broken? Like, was the projector broken, buddy? Like. Yeah, it's I don't know what has happened that you can't just get, you know, Mario, which made a bunch of money this year, I think was like 93 minutes. And yeah, that's that's great. It's not enough to make me want to go see Mario, but it's like more of this. Like, let's let's have this happen. I thought I was worried that it was gonna be too much about trauma and about like. know like sometimes like the scars or like the ones that can't heal and there there's some of that it's like a bit of that but it still allowed itself to be spooky and goofy in a lighthearted way more so than i thought it maybe could um it has a complete flat yeah like the lighting is not good it's not very well mounted i don't think i don't think it had quite the same spooky ambience although it did pick up in the third act like yeah. i think the it does kind of like build to an interesting conclusion and there's some visuals as the opening credits were going through because yeah like i had really not been keeping much of a radar on this movie i've seen owen wilson flogging it all over the cineplex pre-show i was thinking of this as an owen wilson movie and then as the credits were going and as the movie's getting started it's like oh like keith stanfield is like the star star of this movie like he's actually like the guy owen wilson's yeah second banana whatever but so i'm reading these credits and being like oh, okay jamie lee curtis not bad like you know and
0: all. Mm-hmm those and then it gets to the Jared Leto and I'm like, mm, dude, like I, I completely forgot or didn't know that he's in this movie. And then when I saw him in the movie, I realized I'm like there there was no absolutely anyone on earth could have played that character. Like there's there's no Jared Leto in it. You, his voice is modulated. He doesn't look anything like Jared Leto. It's just a CGI character. I'm sure he did some kind of more motion capture. But I doubt he was even in that motion capture suit much. They probably put other people in it because he was getting some poor PA to wheel him around in a wheelchair like he did on Morbius. Mm -hmm. No, I would completely agree
1: about that. But I also kind of feel that Jamie Lee Curtis, Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with her performance, but it's weird to follow up an Academy Award winning performance you know, maybe, I guess you don't plan for these yeah, things or you can't there's schedule no for known. it. Yeah. But it's like, it's crazy that this is like, like she she's Oscar winner Jamie Lee Curtis now and you have her in your movie doing this, like this mm-hmm. sucks. Like she didn't deserve something better. Or just like yeah. ca- cast anyone else in that part or something. That again was one of those things that I can just imagine being like, Bob Iger if this movie made a trillion dollars being like and I've said you know and of course we've got to get Jamie Lee and she was coming off the Oscar win like I can just see people taking credit for this but like it's like
0: what were you thinking (laughs) Yeah, that's the reaction I I get totally I yeah bottom line for me I just uh, this movie is just very nothing to me like I I unfortunately like the 2003 version more I think it's because that I at least got to enjoy the ghosts. And of course the, the ghosts look all right in this too, but it they didn't feel tangible. They didn't feel real because it was primarily CGI, which I'm not always against, but um so much of this movie just felt so artificial. And you know what grounded it, what kept pulling me back to being like, okay, it's actually not that bad though, is Lakeith Stanfield. He's just a force. He's great. And um I genuinely felt like his pain throughout the movie. So that's something that I'll give it. I think that, you know, there is some beauty to what this movie is trying to say and what it's representing and what it's trying to teach kids. But I just don't I feel like it was it was pretty, pretty heavy for a kid's movie, which I'm not against. But uh, like there was there was some good stuff near the end there with the character with Lakeith, like Keith, like the Keith Stanfield and um, the kid who plays Travis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like some of that felt like there was some genuine heart in it. You always felt like there was heart on the screen when Lakeith Stanfield was on, on the screen. But then there was just the, so many nothing moments that made me by the time the, the credits were rolling. So I was checking my, my watch quite hard in the last 40 minutes. I, was I, like, got, I
1: got up and I took a not, uh, I did not rush to the concession stand to get my drink. I'll say that much.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did that as well. Um, yeah. Walked, walked outside for a little bit. Cause yeah, it was just, there's just like you said there's just no no reason why this movie should have been as long as it was and it just didn't feel justified at all that doesn't mean
1: when they're gearing up in the third act where it's like oh it's and wow it's this place and it's it's a three hour drive away I'm like a three hour drive Fuck, you do that movie math if it's like so we're gonna see them on the way there or we're gonna skip we're gonna do a three hour time jump like what are we doing here yeah that had no. me stressing. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, my
0: drink's done. What am I doing? Yeah, no, totally. And like the the positives I would say about it is like there are obviously lots of like homages to the ride that felt you know real, um, like the whole Danny DeVito getting picked up by the chair and being rushed out out of the building, because uh, like that's like kind of what you sit in when you're on that ride. And like I said, I do love that ride, and you can see a lot of the ghosts. And the the 2003 one did that really well as well. Um, but it, there were moments that felt like it was kind of simulating the ride a bit, which I think that that's the direction you go when you're making a movie about a ride. Um, so that's yeah. what kind of worked.
1: I think, I think this movie had too much. I think the O3 is a good example of making a movie out of a ride. And like for, for the warts and all of like how good the movie actually is, it feels like a ride yeah. <laughs> turned into a movie or like a movie based on a theme park ride. It's like, this looks like this seems like theme park cinema to me. Yeah. Whereas it it had more energy. Yeah. And then this one it's got, I I don't know if I want to call it like the Ted Lasso effect or something, but like, yeah, like everything is now it's about trauma and it's about like reconnecting with your parents and it's about forgiveness and like all this. It's just like, I can a skeleton like fall out of a closet folks can like, is there a jack-o-lantern or a black cat around here? Like this is a horror, right? Like, what, I I could have used a little more of that, but
0: Yeah, and like it, that's the thing too. So I'm I'm a I actually generally like gateway horror, like you know, teen kid friendly horror movies, like one that comes to mind is the house with the clock in its walls like, from a couple of years ago. Uh that was directed by Eli Roth. <clears throat> and it was actually decent. Like a, the Halloween atmosphere was there, the performances were, were fun and entertaining, and like it didn't feel like I wasn't checking my watch in that one. But, Is that uh, with
1: Jack Black or am I just yeah. thinking of Goosebumps? He's ja- in that as well.
0: Yeah, Jack Black and Kate Blanchett. Oh, Carl! I yeah,
1: could get- no. Eli Roth. I didn't know that that was him.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. I think it's probably my favorite Eli Roth movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I didn't get that from from this one. It just it's just felt very hollow. I'm never gonna watch it again. I, I was kind of bummed out. Like I didn't have huge expectations for this movie, but. I definitely like within the first half hour of the, the runtime, I was like, God damn it. What have I, what have we done?
1: I was even going to, wow.
0: I was going to message you while I was watching it. Say, what have we done? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that like, I'm so glad we didn't come in and that you were like,
1: I couldn't believe how good it was. And I'd have to feign yeah. interest. <laughs> I'm glad no. that it made an equal. It's just sort of lack of an impact on you. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh Owen Wilson's kind of funny. Danny mm-hmm. DeVito, very funny, doing just uh, Frank Reynolds, like he's he's that now, right? Like that's become yeah. his his legacy and like his comedic biz th- thing that yeah, he does now. He's great at it, but like oh, he's so Frank... funny. Danny DeVito from uh, anything else, <laughs> where he also ha- where he also falls to the ground and has a heart attack in that movie. And I actually thought of that uh, when yep. it happened in the Haunted
0: Mansion. Danny DeVito from Matilda, which he also directed. From Matilda. He, God, he's kind of an underrated director. He really is. He's he's just a, he just knows, he knows movies and the craft. That's what happens when you've been in the business for that long. And when you're a character like him, where he's so unique, like you can't just cast Danny DeVito in anything. I mean, you can, and he'll, he'll turn it into something always. Mm-hmm. He makes it DeVito. Yeah. But uh, no, I don't know. I just I can't really recommend rushing out for this one. I think it's one that if you're still if you're interested in it, hopefully it like it'll probably the the silver lining of it coming out in July. is It's probably going to be on Disney plus by Halloween.
1: Maybe um, that's what they were banking for. They knew it was going to lose a big chunk of money. They're like, well, at least we'll get our second bite at the Apple. Yeah.
0: By no, Halloween. Yeah, which which would make sense and I'm sure I probably would have liked this even a bit more if I was like watching it from home and could do other things, but that's not that's not a ringing endorsement on a movie if you're like, eh, "It'd be good to put on in the background." It's like, "No." Cuz I don't know, even like the sets, like that's really what made me want to see it was, you know, I just love the aesthetic and I love sets and all the makeup and all that like I've said. But in this one, even the sets, so much of it just felt green screened. And like you could kind of see the edges and it just kind of made me want to watch the original again or the 2003 one.
1: Well, and on that note, I kind of had a feeling watching it that I kind of like sometimes when you see the, and it's a little bit different now, but like, john carter which came out in i think 2012 or like tomorrowland with george clooney yeah there was a time there when i was pretty interested in these like big budget 200 million dollar disney live action movies that weren't superhero marvel franchise or star wars you know like ip anything just these like okay like what is disney the most powerful company in the world like what is a, uh, what do they do when they have like a $300 million budget for a movie and these like John Carters and like all these things that have come out and not done well and been big boondoggles because Disney live action has notoriously been their like weak spot for all of eternity. I think basically up until the Marvel era, yeah. Like pirates of the Caribbean kind of got them on the right track and then they became the franchise thing. But as I was watching this, I was thinking that it's nice to see compared to Indiana Jones, which like cost $400 million and the entire time I was watching it, I had a sense of dread in my stomach of like, good God, this costs so much fun I know. And yeah. it was like like upsetting and like, all, like I felt like I was watching like the fall of Versailles. It's like, this is such a like, they spent so much fun fucking money on this movie that nobody is seeing yeah. and i was watching haunted mansion being like it's nice to see a movie that didn't need to have that kind of a budget and then i looked and saw that it cost 150 million dollars
0: it's oh, absolutely insane but no we can't we can't give the writers enough fucking money to eat eat of three meals a day yeah it's uh
1: i did feel bad <laughs> As the strike is going on, like stepping out, it's like, okay, because this movie begins with the Walt Disney 100th anniversary, uh, you know, logo of the cat castle and everything sitting down to see that. And then sitting down today to see Barbie during the writer's strike and being like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I am shilling out for the two biggest studios. I know.
0: yeah, I've, I had the same thought. I'm like, and I, I have been watching more movies than ever in the, th- well, not than ever, but like then the last year or so, like I've been to the theater so much recently and it's like, now's not the time to be going, but it's like, I just can't help it. I love one. I don't want to miss Oppenheimer in the theater. Oh my God. I loved Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, me too. That, that one really made me feel something Whereas like Haunted Mansion. I, I just didn't feel anything and I don't want to turn this off because I know that you enjoyed it. Um, I, I didn't hate Indiana Jones the way that a lot of people do, but I that's another one. I just, I didn't feel anything watching it. Like, it just didn't do anything for me, really. Like, I tell, like, it's competently put together and mangled a good director, but it's weird going to an Indiana Jones movie and not even, like, I'd not even feeling angry. <laughs> like, it's almost, it would have been better if I would have reacted to it, and that way it got some kind of reaction out of me. I
1: only had the most moderate of enthusiasm for it because I went and saw it after opening weekend when I like felt like I was skipping it. Like I felt like I consciously didn't have interest and wasn't going to go see it. And then it bombed so badly that I was like, Oh fuck, maybe I should go see it. Like, and then I did and I like kind of enjoyed it, but like i I'm I'm done with Star Wars as well. Like these things oh. from the past, like you can't just like bring these things back incessantly and have me. It's like, I thought that it was a good, it was better than Indiana Jones four, which I had been hyped to see in theaters. Like it's. I, I thought it was more enjoyable than that. I thought Mads Mikkelsen was good. I thought that the ending was so preposterous. Like I thought it, I thought yeah. it took the, it, it like, went three more stops past stupid town than uh, Crystal Skull ever did. But like, I honestly, at the end of the movie, I'm like, I'm like, no one has seen this movie. I'm like, this twist is so stupid and no one's even going to talk about it because no one's seeing this movie. (laughs) This movie's backlash proof because it didn't even make an impact for people to
0: talk about how stupid this is. It's so true. Yeah, it's so true um yeah man well do you have anything else you want to say about haunted (laughs) haunted mansion before we close up no
1: i just i hope that we get more of these theme park based movies i think this is uh you know proving to be a really viable genre and subgenre. and if they uh if they have any more of these coming out i'd be happy to come back on the show
0: yeah absolutely well we got to get you back on the show just regardless and uh yeah invitation's always there if you can think of something that you want to talk about i love chatting movies with you man it's been Great getting to know you and I love your show. I'm actually when we close up tonight I'm going <clears> to <throat> I'm going to revisit Insomnia because I haven't seen it in like 15 years and then I'm going to listen to that episode I've been saving that one because I've been wanting to rewatch Insomnia. I can barely remember anything about it.
1: Oh, it's uh, there's more to it than you remember, if it's anything like uh, my viewing went. So
0: I hope you enjoy that. I told one of my friends, like one of my other movie buddies, he's like, what are you watching tonight? I said, insomnia. He's like, oh, my God, that's such a good idea. He's like, I haven't thought of that movie in forever. And he's been texting me the last like hour being like, this movie's so much better than I remember.
1: Well, I'll say I'll jump in with that. If there, yeah, movies that you kind of don't remember existed, that's a, that's a niche that I try to fill on my show from time to time. So movies that you have heard of, you have heard of yeah. them, you've maybe even seen them, but you haven't been thinking about them. So that's uh, what we do over on formatted to fit your screen. Yep,
0: yeah, I definitely implore people to check that out. And uh, if you're a podcaster yourself and you're listening, Zach would be a great guest on your show. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to hear more, more from you. It's always a blast. And uh, yeah, what do, what do you got going on? Let's do some plugs here. Like, uh, tell tell the listeners a little bit more about formatted to fit and where you can where you can listen to it, where you can follow you. Yeah, geez, the show is uh,
1: available. I think through most all podcasts, you know, sources you can get on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that. It's uh, I am the sole host of the show, and I'm there every second Friday. Uh, with a revolving sort of second guest there it's the I call it the show where two people who have seen a movie have a conversation and it's a agenda free sort of freeform conversation based on the subject of a movie you know it's kind of like a book club where the movie prompts the discussion but the discussion goes wherever it does and I have on uh, personal friends as well as artists and filmmakers, film critics from across uh, Canada and North America. So we've got 55 plus
0: episodes and counting. So uh, that's what we do over there on the show. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely, definitely recommend checking that out. And uh, yeah, I oh, that's one I've been saving too. I got to check it out because he had Travis Hebert on for uh, the Master of Disguise. That's a that's fun the- episode. That was, uh, yeah, that was a good time watching that movie as
1: well. That was in the deep freeze of winter. And I watched that from my bathtub because
0: my apartment was so cold. Oh, God, that's that's exactly how you should see the Master of Disguise. <laughs> yeah, and so uncomfortable that it's impossible to laugh
1: <laughs> and then to watch the most laugh free movie of all time.
0: <laughs> oh, man, I saw that in the movie theater. Saw um, that in the theater as well, of course. Brutal. I have a friend. Uh he like lives here in Vancouver now, but he was he grew up in LA and he's like, I've been to two film premieres in my life. And I was like, which ones? He said, Master of Disguise and Son of the Mask. I'm like, How how did you manage to only go to like two of the worst movies ever made? Yeah, that's a crazy batting average of like movies that are like unreal shitty. (laughs) Yeah. That was hilarious. I was like, I went to the Getty Image site because I was trying to find pictures of him like you know, it's somewhere in the background because he would have been like ten years old at the time. But yeah, wild stuff. Well, anyways, yeah, like I said, this has been a total blast. I hope people enjoyed listening to it. I hope you go and follow Zach and his show. And um, next week we'll be back. It'll, it's just an episode with just Boozy and I. We talk a lot about horror movies we've seen recently, and then we talk about shark exploitation, the new documentary on Shutter, all about shark films. Uh, so that's what we got going on, but yeah, once again, Zach, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you being here. Thrilled to be here, Mitch. Thanks. Later days. Ciao.